Well, I want to welcome everyone to the first episode of Read the Room and our discussion, of course, on the Potomac Red Wave that occurred uh, two days ago here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And the joy that is seeping through me right now through this screen to everyone that can see it or hear it um, should be overwhelming to you because we have a Republican governor here in the Commonwealth of Virginia for the first time in eight years, and I couldn't be happier. We have a fantastic lieutenant governor-elect in Winsome Sears and a terrific uh, former state delegate who's now our attorney general, in, uh, Jason Meares. Uh Glenn Youngkin and his team ran an amazing campaign. They did everything they needed to do to communicate directly to voters and make it about local issues that matter to voters and spoke directly to them, as I said, in such a way that everyone felt that he was sincere, uh, very clear about his position, what he would and wouldn't do, and understood what their concerns were. And that's what helped bring over uh, a high number of independent voters. It brought out all the all the Trump MAGA folks. It brought out uh, the suburbanites. So we're back in the suburbs again uh, here in the GOP. Thank God. And it brought out 55 to 45 the Hispanic vote, which is just unbelievable. Along with a large number of Democrats as well as other unaffiliated voters. And I have to say that I haven't seen a campaign uh, like this run in many, many years. Um, those of you who know me know I've been around for a while and I've been able to uh, see campaigns that were good, others that were just absolutely terrible. Um, this one, this one is uh, one that should be taught in political science classes uh, in universities and colleges because it was a, it was terrific. So my hats off to the governor-elect. Uh, I look forward to seeing him soon um, at some upcoming conferences. Uh, but we are very, very happy about that outcome. The other outcome, and I talked to some colleagues of mine in New Jersey today uh, about the. Um, shenanigans in uh, Essex County uh, um, shutting down the counting of their ballots are certain that, that Jack Cittarelli, who is not conceded, by the way, uh, is uh, was the winner, um, losing by allegedly by 1.2 percent of the vote um, or Murphy winning by that amount, just barely, I think, 50.2 percent. Um, is uh, is going to be challenged, and we'll see what that outcome is. But hey, everybody's a truck driver in New Jersey today, aren't they? When you've got a guy that spent $153 in a primary and about five grand in the general election to unseat a 20-year incumbent state Senate president, who again, Ed Durr spoke directly to the people talked about issues they cared about, especially the horrible COVID 
response that the Murphy administration and subsequently State Senator Sweeney, who was defeated, also endorsed. People were just fed up. They were absolutely fed up. And the voice of the people was heard here in the Commonwealth, in the Garden State, in New Jersey, and, and nationwide. Actually, we had uh, terrific victories in Texas, in Seattle, in, in Minneapolis, defeating this ridiculous uh, uh, reform of the police department. Uh, in uh, in New Hampshire, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, in uh, in in Seattle, they elected a Republican um, uh, female lawyer to be their city attorney. So that's going to be very interesting, as she will likely be there supporting uh, her police department. Uh, and in Buffalo, New York, along with. Um, uh, Eric Adams in the New York in New York City, the new mayor defeated, I believe, by forty percent the toxic, progressive, whatever the hell that means, um, in uh, uh, in Buffalo, New York. So wokeness and wokeism is dead in this country. It will be put. Finally, to rest by the end of next year, when in just under 10 months, just just over 10 months, excuse me, we're able to take back the Congress, House and Senate, narrow the Biden administration's ridiculous, unscripted, and unsupervised agenda uh, even more, and the people's voice will be heard uh, once again. So I am just ecstatic about democracy. Anybody that knows me knows that. You know I love American politics. But here at Read the Room, you know, we call it like we see it. It's raw. It's sometimes nasty. It's very direct. Um, but the uh, reaction by the left saying that parents uh, just – didn't understand that critical race theory didn't exist, which is total bullshit, to the fact that Yunkin is some kind of white supremacist when he's got a black lieutenant governor and a Cuban or Latin and Latino uh, attorney general on the top of the ticket. These people are completely clueless. They've got to go back and rewrite their playbook. Some of them want to double down on this woke ism and progressivism. David Pluff or any of you other idiots that keep losing races, bring it on. We're happy to do that because the face of the GOP is blue collar, is suburban, and it engages everyone uh, uh, inside of that circle. So we've proven it here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. We're going to continue to prove it for the principles and things that we stand on um going forward and I've, I've also got to talk about pennsylvania's judicial victories talking about other nationwide um victories in um in texas they flipped a massively democrat uh house seat seat uh 118 that i believe biden won by 40 percent of the vote last year um 
that have rejected these progressive policies in uh, in Texas voted no on abolishing the police in Minneapolis, a, a, this uh, in Brunswick, New Hampshire, the mayoral seat flipped for the first time in a billion years. And in Ohio, Mike Carey in, in the uh, uh, special election to replace Steve Stivers in Ohio 15, we held that, so we increased our majority in the House of Representatives, 213 seats, giving Pelosi a narrow three-seat majority on her side, so she can ill afford to lose anyone. And, um, you know, besides congratulating uh, Glenn Youngkin uh, and his victory, uh, along with Winston Sears and Jason Meares, the quote of the day uh, from yesterday has got to come from the uh, marginal candidate who's an incumbent congresswoman, Abigail Spanberger from Virginia's 7th Congressional District, when she in the caucus meeting said, we didn't elect Joe Biden to be FDR. So she feels the pain of what's coming towards her uh, in the next 10 months, especially when Pelosi tries to make these people walk the plank and that right now, I, uh, 25 to 35 House seats are likely to flip next year. And if they put their foot on the accelerator, you could see upwards of 50, 60, 70 seats flipping um, based on um, pushback from the American public. Having said all of that, the Democrats currently are in a uh, depressive malaise over Tuesday's uh, outcome. And when you look at how we won back the suburbs, how we picked up, uh, as I said before, the Hispanic vote, we have a lot of momentum going in our direction. The uh, Cook political report and uh, one other prognosticating entity here in D.C. Um, Wednesday moved four Senate seats from lean Democrat to toss-up, Georgia, New Hampshire, Arizona, and Nevada. We'll take two of those next year, possibly four. And again, that's going to decide uh, excuse me, that's going to depend on how many Democrats have to walk the plank for Biden's uh, poorly thought out, expensive agenda. And if you want to see the price tag, next Wednesday, the uh, Wharton School of Business is going to release a report on just exactly how much the Build Back Broke plan is going to cost. Um, upwards of an extra 2.75 trillion on top of its uh, obvious price tag. It ain't zero, that's for sure. So as we, you know, as we move forward and we look at um, the opportunities to continue to talk to the American people, to talk to them in such a way that we convey for them the uh, messages and 
the future of the Republican Party. It has to be about what's happening at the local level. And to that end, we, uh, we have an opportunity, quite frankly, to continue to do that, to use the Yunkin playbook uh, in states around the country, in locations around the country, in congressional districts. But I would also argue that that extends all the way down now because of leftist progressive overreach to uh, school boards, mayoral seats, city councils, boards of supervisors, things of that nature. Um, and that gives us an, an opportunity to really be at the grassroots level on a consistent basis and to gain back, in some cases, the trust um, that we may have bargained away before in uh, uh, issues of education, uh, in, in, in other uh, social contract issues, but also just pure economics. I think all of us know that the inflation we're seeing is not transitory. It is unfortunately gonna be with us probably till the third quarter of next year, or, or perhaps a little longer, which eclipses the next election cycle. And to that end, you've got an opportunity to see just what the contrast is of the policies that Biden is putting forward relative to what we would put forward uh, if we were in charge, especially in 2022. And I think you're gonna see that. I think the constant infighting that is going on, it's like a, watching a, a large family fight over the last piece of white meat at Thanksgiving. Uh, the Democrat caucus is just constantly infighting. They do not have a cohesive position on any policy that can be passed in the Senate, a 50-50 Senate, and signed by a president. Not going to happen. Uh, these two bills they've been talking about for months, since uh, um, early June, uh, are history. They're dead as disco. In their current form, you can forget it. It's not going to happen. It will not surprise me if either one is remotely passed in January or February of next year, which is even more pressure on top of the Democrats because it's in an election year. And they're still not getting anything done. Pelosi's got a track record from 11 years ago of saying, you know, we got to vote for it before we know what's in it and all that hootenanny. And uh, she lost 63 seats in the House, along with Obama. Uh, they lost six Senate seats, seven gubernatorial seats, and over 800 State House seats. And we'll see if they can match that record uh, 11 years later uh, with this crew of uh, Obama acolytes and uh, Biden bozos that are sitting in the uh, uh, White House policy shop. they're on track uh, to make that kind of history yet again. One of the things I thought was ironic uh, about the McAuliffe uh, defeat, and I'm happy to say that, um, that that nefarious human being is not ever going to be elected to anything ever again, um, is two thirds of McAuliffe voters suggested very strongly confirmed 
that voter ID was necessary um, at the polls. <laughs> so, so much for racism for asking for a uh, government issued ID for anything. So you can strike that one from uh, their playbook. You know, you had a uh, you had a, a little bit of a Long Island tsunami uh, in uh, New York with the uh, absolute rejection of bail reform uh, when folks there just overturned a number of uh, elected officials who were looking to come back to their posts uh, and push them all out. You uh, um, you know w when you look at when you look at the track record for Donald Trump with uh with candidates and issues he's four and oh biden's zero for four so i'm sure down at mar-a-lago they're um you know toasting uh toasting that record as well which is really quite fun the fight over critical race theory just begun we just we're just getting started by the end of 2023 you won't see nigh a consultant or a uh, a verb describing this idiotic divisive policy that teaches teachers or instructs them i should say uh to rethink who they are and then tells six-year-olds on up that they are eternally a victim or eternally an oppressor not America, and Americans reject that. And when you layer on top the pressures with inflation and the problems with unemployment and the problems with supply chain and the problems with the southern border, and you continue to stack these things on top of uh, everyone, along with mass mandates, along with vaccine mandates, this January 4th thing, that they just squirted out of OSHA, you can forget it. It'll get challenged in court and struck down. People want to get back to normal. They want to go eat with their children at a restaurant without being harassed, go to a baseball game in their neighborhood, go to a soccer game, uh, go out to a brewery and, and be with their friends, uh, et cetera, without having to worry about, oh, what, what's the government regulation that I'm forgetting? It's not the way we live here. It's not the way that we do things here in this country. So government has its place, but it is a minimal place in the background thing, the hell out of the way of what we do every day as Americans, certainly here in the Commonwealth of Virginia and across the country. But at the same time, we do not want them in our lives on a consistent basis. Now, those that make their living off of that, um, because that's the only thing they can do, because they've only signed the back of a check, never the front before, their creative capability is limited. They want to keep fomenting and pushing this stuff. They're going to do that at their own peril. You know, um, there are a number of reasons why the American public has said they've had enough. And you started messing with their kids, and that was the first one. 
And you can just imagine how that list grew and grew and grew over the last 18 months. When parents got an opportunity to walk into their daughter or son's room and see their teacher teaching them things about pornography in their libraries and in their curriculum, or are you an oppressor or are you a victim? They got a front row seat to that ridiculous mindset policy that is destructive and divisive. All of us in this country live by Dr. King's maxim, which is content of character, not color of skin. Unfortunately, the teachers union run by a soulless political hack that does not have children herself. That's Randy Weingarten. Um, the closer of the McAuliffe campaign, that was a brilliant uh, political advisor move. What a moron. Um, <clears throat> wants to keep pushing this at the peril of students and subsequently parents. And we've had enough. We're not gonna put up with it anymore. So I think Virginia certainly is a template for the rest of the country, but in other states where this has come up on multiple occasions, uh, parents too have, have finally said enough is enough. And, and we've put an end to that. You know, when you look at the uh, 36 governor's races that are, uh, that are up next year, and you look at, I believe about 900 state house seats are up for election next year. But also, again, those city council races, those mayoral races and those school board seats, right? You've got people all up and down the uh, elected officials scale, uh, all the way down to the grassroots that can have a significant impact on how their community operates, what it teaches its children, how it includes people's voices, and in fact, how it listens to people. There's a uh, school board uh, seat that flipped in Douglas County, Colorado, um, lovely suburban area uh, outside of Denver, that they had had enough of being cut off after two minutes, um, being canceled, uh, having meetings and notices uh, pulled out from under, under them like Lucy and Charlie Brown and the football, and they'd had enough. And so we saw that translate all across this country on Tuesday. And so we're gonna see that momentum build. Um, those on the other side of the aisle or who persist to push a divisive, progressive, racial uh, record and, and agenda are gonna suffer. They're gonna lose, and rightly so because that isn't the way this country is built. We are fortunately moving back to a center-right uh, country because that really is, is who we are as a nation. We're compassionate on certain things, but we're also economically uh, conservative uh, as well as moderating on some social issues, uh, but not stepping off the cliff uh, on those. And, Americans will live within their means, but they'll also live within the confines of their own common sense. So you can't tell them that things like 
critical race theory don't exist when they can hold up the curriculum, the book, and the PDF, uh, as well as the receipt. So, you know, here in Loudoun County, we paid, we paid some fool $35,000 uh, to teach critical race theory curriculum to teachers. And subsequently, the books and also the other curriculum material that children were being taught. So it exists, it is real. And if liberals and progressives wanna pretend like it isn't, then let them. They do so at their own peril. It really doesn't matter at the end of the day. They'll continue to shed voters who will lose confidence in them. And as you look at what this administration is doing by, again, as of today, January 4th is your vaccine mandate deadline if you're a, uh, if you're a private employer. Well, good luck implementing that because OSHA is not built legally or structurally to enforce that any way, shape, or form, and it's not going to happen. Um, these folks have screwed up in Afghanistan. They've doubled the price of gas. They've caused massive runaway inflation. They have a supply chain problem they created when they had 15, 16 months to figure out how not to get into that position in the first place. You know, people will say, oh, well, he's been in office for, uh, you know, only 10 months. Well, let's, let's explain something. He took the oath on January 20th, but he won the election three months earlier. And then his campaign for a policy perspective began building out six, seven months earlier before that. So they've had almost two years to understand the economy, not make the mistakes they've made, and they went ahead and did them anyway. That's incompetence, pure and simple. So we lived through that with the Carter administration. They've doubled down with the Biden administration, or as I like to refer to them, uh, the Brandon administration, uh, like my friend, Governor DeSantis uh, referred to them the other day. Uh, he gets more applause than I do, and rightly so. But at the end of the day, um, they're not going to they're not going to pull away from the positions they're in. They have too much infighting with the progressives inside the domestic policy shop in the White House and the you know alleged liberals that are also there uh, to uh, to figure out what they're doing. So we've got an opportunity to continue to move forward in such a way that we can fundamentally bring back normal living to uh, to the U.S. And so I'm I'm very excited about it. I think that here in Virginia over the next four years, Glenn Youngkin has an opportunity with very little doubt in my mind, has an opportunity to uh, show Virginians and illustrate for the country what sound policies can do to make people's lives better. And, you know, that's, that's really what the job of, a, of an elected leader is, is to enhance the lives and livelihood of the citizens they were elected to serve. And if they don't do that, they need to leave. There's no question in my mind that there are 
at least 45, 50 members of the Democrat House caucus right now considering retirement. They know that they're going to get slaughtered in uh, the 2022 midterm election. And reserving that embarrassment by announcing a retirement is a hell of a lot easier than having your ass handed to you uh, by someone who beats you by 6, 10, or 11 points. That being said, there's an opportunity for Republicans to work with Democrats, if they so choose, to um, work together on issues that matter to the American public. Those are appropriation bills, military funding, homeland security, agriculture, transportation, a, a transportation and infrastructure bill should only be in the 600 to 700 billion dollar range. This 1.2 trillion, 1.9 trillion nonsense is just that. It's ridiculous. So we've seen uh, all the absurd social spending that has gone on, and people just simply reject it. And the fact that the Biden people have failed to get anything done have taken the enthusiasm. Uh, away from Biden himself in this recent election. McAuliffe, who's about as uh, exciting to listen to or watch uh, as a corpse, um, could not reinvigorate because he's just simply not capable of doing that. He got 48.5% when he ran the first time against a weaker candidate uh, in Ken Cuccinelli in 2013, and he got 48, or excuse me, 48%. He got 48.5% this time. Okay, so Mr. 48% has got about that much enthusiasm going for him. And uh, he'll never run for anything again. You know, he'll probably just run only when chased, for that, for that matter. But Biden has got serious problems on, uh, on his plate. Uh, beginning with the trust of the American people. Everybody watching this broadcast or listening to it, um, you've seen the polling numbers. I mean, they suck. Being 31% in in Iowa, are you kidding me? Cindy Axney, a Democrat uh, congresswoman from Iowa won is history next year. She's gone. Whoever runs against her, as long as they're a decent candidate, uh, is going to kick her butt. And she's she's gone. That's one seat. Four total. New Hampshire. Goodbye. Jared Golden up in Maine. Goodbye. Van Berger, Luria down in uh, Virginia. Uh, Virginia seven and Virginia five. Adios. You count the. Seats we're going to we're going to take and and pick up in Florida, along with redistricting, that number right there is about 11 seats total. With the ones we know we've got, then we've got another another layer of about 10 more that are just gone. The Stephanie Murphys of the world, Charlie Crists, Val Demings, 
people like that, just in three seats in Florida alone. They're gone. They're out of here. And we already have the majority. The seat we're going to add in Florida, the one we're going to add in Montana, the the, uh, two that we're going to add in Texas, right? We already have the majority right now before the next election. Now what we need to do is convey the kind of messaging that we've been putting out for the last several months in contrast to this clown show that keeps coming out of the White House uh, every day. I just listened to the briefing um, a few minutes ago and you just can't help but shake your head. They have no idea what they're talking about. They have no clue what Tuesday actually meant, nor do they want to admit it, right? This Cajun knucklehead that, you know, is Captain Obvious most of the time, uh, he's the only one I think that's listening um, along with one or two others, but nobody listens to these guys anymore. It's all about progressivism and wokeism, yay. Guess what? No one wants that. It's like offering an all tofu menu to carnivores at a Texas barbecue, okay? No one's gonna take you up on it, all right? Not appetizing, it looks terrible, and it smells like rubber, okay? So no one's gonna eat it. Having said all that, we've got a a really bright future ahead of us, but we've gotta continue to work with folks at the local level on issues that people care about with regard to certainly education. I think that that is the tip of the spear going forward. It's how you communicate with uh, suburban, rural, certainly urban voters to some extent, um, but uh, more importantly in the suburbs and in the rural areas. And, And you also work with them on discussing the economy uh, jobs, uh, keeping their taxes low, uh, and, and also making good common sense appeals to their, uh, understanding of what works for them and around their kitchen table. So it's those kitchen table issues that we will be working on, uh, around the country. You'll see it with different candidates. You'll see it with, uh, different, uh, incumbents and current elected officials. Uh, and and those who those who aren't up for re-election, but know it's the right thing to do for their state or their county or their community. And so there's a, a unique opportunity uh, for everyone to uh, to step up and do what Glenn Youngkin and Winsome Sears and Jason Miares and and others have done across the country, um, which is they've listened to their to the will of the people. And they are being entrusted with that value of what they know and what they understand. And now they've got to prove it. So Mr. Durr, his life is about to change. He's, I don't know when he'll be driving his truck. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a complete expert on uh, New Jersey's legislative session. It's not a terribly long one. Uh, but uh, he is going to be uh, a sought-after commodity. We're going to uh, try to get him to come on and talk to us about what matters most 
to the third uh, Senate district in New Jersey and how he did what he did and see if he can provide us with a little bit of his chemistry, um, which I would argue is straight from the founding fathers. They knew that citizen legislators were the, uh, the right formula, not people that like uh, the Senate president or soon to be former Senate president that he defeated who'd been around there for 20 years. You don't need that kind of stuff. You don't have to be there for 30, 40 years uh, to get it done. Go, uh, go to your next chapter, go to your next challenge. You know, so we're, uh, we're very, very pleased here in the Commonwealth with the outcome of the, uh, election on Tuesday. We look forward to uh, a challenge in New Jersey to the gubernatorial um, race there. And there, uh, there may be uh, some additional surprises to come, but we also are extremely hopeful that the candidates that have already announced for next year's cycle uh, Herschel Walker in uh, in Georgia, for instance, can kick the crap out of Raphael Warnock, and I think that Maggie Hassan in uh, uh, New Hampshire has got a hell of a lot to worry about. And if my friend Chris Sununu does decide, has not decided, but if the governor does decide to run for the Senate like his brother did and successfully served, uh, he could win. He could win. Biden has a 34% approval rating in New Hampshire, which is why in uh, New Brunswick, you saw the flip in part of, of that seat, uh, a very deep uh, Democrat uh, area that uh, had been held for a number of, of years, but they're simply not satisfied. You know, New Hampshire does not have the GDP of the state of Massachusetts. Right. So when you look at those New England states and you think about all the economic pressures on top of uh, a state like New Hampshire that relies on fuel oil and heating uh, uh, propane and, and jobs and, and other things that have high inflationary values going into the winter, it just doesn't bode well for uh, uh, existing political leaders, uh, whether uh, at the White House or at the State House in uh, uh, in New Hampshire, it's just not good for them. So we'll keep our fingers crossed uh, in that regard. Um, whoever comes out of the primary in Arizona can defeat Mark Kelly. Mark Kelly is a weak candidate. Uh, he's a weak incumbent and he is a do nothing Senator. The guy is all talking a bag at this point. And so there's an opportunity there uh, with um, uh, Jackie Rosen or excuse me, Cortez Mastro in uh, in Nevada. We'll see if uh, Adam Laxalt can pull it off. He couldn't do it for uh, uh, as governor, but perhaps uh, perhaps in the Senate seat. And she's uh, she's quite vulnerable. So we'll see we'll see what happens there. But uh, uh, for those of you who know me, you know I'm a House guy. I love the Senate, Mount Olympus, but I uh, I'm you know I'm a House guy. So I am uh, extremely happy about um, our prospects there. And as far as our governors, um, we'll, we'll probably pick up an additional two 
that'll bring us up to 30. So we're at 28. Uh, on Monday, we had 27 Republican governors uh, in our in, in the country. Now with, with uh, Governor-elect Youngkin, we have 28. So I like those nice even numbers uh, as well. So we'll see what happens. Um, going forward, we've got an opportunity, I think, to, um, uh, you know, look at exactly where the American public wants us to go, what they want us to do, how we're going to get there, and in what way can we uh, fundamentally help realign America, bring it back to its center-right origin, and get things back to normal. Because that's what we want to do and let people live their lives, get government out of their way, and provide economic, social, and other opportunities for Americans to just live their life. You know, I have friends in um, several walks of life. They, you know, they'll call me up and ask me about politics and they go, hey, Mark, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, I'll give them my opinion and I, I appreciate that they call me, but most of the time they, they don't worry about this stuff and they shouldn't. You shouldn't be having, having to think about, oh my God, what is this guy or individual in Washington going to do to me next? That's just nuts. <clears throat> That's nuts. We don't need that. So we've got an opportunity, again, to continue contrasting, continue showing exactly uh, what the will of the people uh, is, giving voice to that, supporting it. And um, as I always say about general elections especially, is you've got a, you've got a real opportunity in a general election to um, contrast between just two individuals and their ideas. And you're going to pick 50 plus one of one of them. So far, we, uh, we've been able to uh, be successful in a number of places, as I said earlier, around the country. I think we'll be able to continue to do that because this administration, the far left that has taken over a once great Democrat party, and I'm sad to say that. <clears throat> you know, you guys know me, you know I'm a Republican, but. I got a lot of Democrat friends that shake their heads and are just like, oh, my God, you know, with these progressive knuckleheads uh, that are eating up the party like Pac-Man. They are are taking it into a direction uh, that within 10 years you won't even recognize it. And that could end up keeping them in minority status for quite some time because the country is not suddenly going to put on a pink pussy hat uh, and drink herbal tea and then sing we are the world and change the way that we've done business here in this country for the last 400 years. It's not going to happen. The, this, this utopia that they think they're going to uh, ascribe and use taxpayer money to pay for it uh, while everyone goes into the meta universe with their little uh, goggles on from uh, from Facebook, uh, it's not going to happen at all. And so, unless and until they come up with a different playbook that mimics or creates a solution better than what we saw occur on Tuesday, and granted, that's one race, but it's a consistent theme 
of listening to voters, what they care about, getting to the core of those issues, education at this one was the tip of the spear, and a variety of other things underneath it, uh, crime, immigration, uh, uh, inflation, et cetera, here in the Commonwealth. Uh, we're going to be able to maintain majorities at all levels of government, I think, for quite some time. So we'll see what happens. Um, I'm going to conclude this session of uh, this episode of Read the Room. Uh, I want to thank everybody that's listening and everyone that uh, that dared to come in uh, and visit. I really appreciate it, and uh, and I'll see you next time.